Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators, home of NARC Troopers. If you like today's episode, visit my website, narctroopers.com, and you will find podcast, a vlog, and lots and lots of articles about recovery from narcissistic abuse. The topic today is the scrambled brains of the narcissist. Well, that's an understatement. The structural integrity of the brain with a person with narcissistic personality disorder is definitely compromised. In recent years, we can actually see narcissism in the brain which is shown on imaging tests like MRIs and CT scans. People who suffer from narcissistic personality disorder have these structural abnormalities in regions of the brain that have been linked to um, empathy. Researchers have found that people with this disorder can take another person's perspective in a purely intellectual way but they find it difficult or impossible to feel what another person is feeling. That may be the defining feature out of all of them for a narcissist. And, uh, you know, there are countless other deficits as well. So what is at the root of the brain abnormalities? Well, I think it depends for people with NPD, it is theorized that early childhood trauma damaged the brain and halted normal development. Trauma and abuse have been shown to actually alter the cellular structure and neural pathways in the brain. The development of critical parts of the brain did not proceed in a healthy way when they should have. Usually, uh, for narcissists, that's between the ages of three and four, up to about seven and eight. Seven or eight. The, um, the, the brain did not develop as it should because of the trauma. For the narcissist, the psychopath, or any combination thereof, something similar happens before birth, sometimes, and they are simply born that way. Mostly that applies to psychopaths, but here again, they're both in the cluster C category of personality disorders on the DSM. So there are overlapping traits and qualities and characteristics that the narcissist and the sociopath both have. 
it's just more likely that if there's sociopathy involved, then there was already some brain abnormality at birth, whereas the narcissist may have had a predisposition, could have been genetic, could have been other things, but whatever happened to them in early childhood tends to be the more important thing in those cases. When children suffer at the hands of abusers, who are often narcissists themselves, some crucial brain regions are affected, including damage to the anterior insula, prefrontal cortex, hippocampus, amygdala, and cerebral cortex. These changes lead to devastating effects, and these children, as they become adults, they continue this cycle of abuse with their own partners and their own children. So let's think about that. It's a cycle and it just keeps going. Uh, I want to take a look at the actual parts of the brain that are affected, kind of break those down for you a little bit. So, um, because each one sort of does something different and I think it's good to know this. When you understand this, it helps you to understand what happened and to put everything into the correct perspective um, instead of just being in the dark and not understanding what is going on. So let's look at the anterior insula. The left anterior insula region of the brain, um, which is which is thought to be involved with cognitive functioning and the regulation of emotion, which, you know, with a lot of people with NPD, we talk about emotional dysregulation, mood disorders, and other symptoms to show that there is some deficit or some, um, some pathological uh, something at play in those cases. Well, those things, it's been tied to the creation of compassion and empathy, too. Uh, it has a key role in subjective feelings. And effective subject, subjectivity can be defined as the awareness of and reflection on our emotional responses and the development of a capacity for self-reflection and emotional attunement. And this is something that the narcissist um, cannot do. This is uh, this description is something that um, they can't feel either. People with narcissistic personality disorders are known to have less gray matter in this region of the brain. Furthermore, the anterior insula is connected with subregions of the prefrontal cortex. Now. The anterior insula has been identified as the most central, uh, critical, important neural substrate for uh, emotional awareness, something that, that, they, that the narcissist cannot do. So probably of all the different um, things, parts of the brain, um, problems uh, there, 
um, the this is probably the most significant. Um, okay, the anterior insula. Now, everything is connected, of course, so let's move on to prefrontal cortex. So the PFC, or prefrontal cortex, is likely to play an important role in both narcissism and psychopathy, and it, since, since they have those overlapping features, and the ventromedial and anterior cingulate sectors of the prefrontal cortex are used to control and regulate a number of social and effective decision-making functions that appear to be disrupted in these cluster B narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths. Um, so the prefrontal cortex also, uh, if it's not working correctly, uh, people have problems with impulsivity, poor judgment, uh, being only able to um, look at things uh, in the immediate uh, moment instead of having any type of forethought uh, or ability to reason. All right, so let's move on to the hippocampus. The hippocampus is essential for learning and the development of memories. Now, this whole thing about memories, I've done whole talks about that. And um, when, we, when we are exploring that, that is something that is dysregulated and not functioning as properly as it should. People with narcissistic personality disorder have dissociative disorders that prevent them from assessing real memories. The past is viewed through magical thinking, delusions, and grandiosity that forces them to rewrite history, to invent it, twist it, convolute it, embellish it, and just to create their own narrative about the past, which is filtered through selective amnesia. Yes, people with NPD have selective amnesia. They can very conveniently, quickly and easily just erase something and it's just no longer in their memory at all. It's as if it never, ever happened. They have an inability to accept any blame for what they do and this very selective um, brand of amnesia works very well as a companion to that. Continuous stress due to abuse can damage the brain cells in the hippocampus, making it gradually shrink in size. This explains how the narcissist was originally created and also how the victim is often affected. So it's not just the person with NPD that has disorders in the brain. Trauma, the same trauma that caused them to develop their narcissism is the same trauma that can give their victims uh, after the discard, after they have been cast aside, it can give them uh, such trauma that they have PTSD, trauma bonding, uh, inability to disconnect. They become addicted in a biochemical, physiological kind of way. So the brains of both people in these relationships are affected. All right, let's move on to the amygdala. The amygdala has a key role in emotional processing. It is where emotions like fear, 
guilt, envy, and shame are born. The narcissist often has a flat emotional effect, which means that the majority of their emotions are unexpressed or inappropriate. Personality disordered individuals are missing a conscience. They have a flat effect that is very noticeable when you know what you're looking for. You can see it in their eyes. They are unresponsive. They don't, they just don't get it. They don't connect on a human level to anyone's suffering or pain or feelings at all. Not at all. This visual or, or sometimes verbal absence of appropriate, uh, of an appropriate response can be caused by conditions that include schizophrenia, autism, narcissistic personality disorder, depression, and traumatic brain injury. All of those have that in common. And I have heard numerous researchers, doctors, who have asserted that people with malignant narcissism have characteristics of schizophrenia and multiple personality disorder because it is a delusional illness. They are delusional, magical thinking, shared fantasy. It's, it's like a fake world they have created for themselves. It's an alternate reality. So um, I think that that's interesting to think about that. So um, people with narcissistic personality disorder often do not feel fear or guilt it is absent in them. And that's also true for psychopaths and sociopaths. The receptors that register fear, something in their sympathetic nervous system, that whole fight and flight, um, there's something in them that's broken that does not allow them to feel fear as a normal person would, and nor do they feel guilt or remorse or contrition for what, terrible things that they do. They just don't feel it. Um, they felt these emotions when they were very young, but when they silence their authentic selves, these emotions are simply rep not just repressed, but they're just simply eradicated, done away with. They're torpedoed. They're murdered. They, they have, um, they have essentially killed those parts off of themselves. Okay, I think this is the last one, cerebral cortex. Um, looking at my notes here, yes, I think this is the last one I want to tell you about. Um, it forms the external nerve cell layer of the brain. Those who suffer from NPD exhibit structural abnormalities in that region of the brain, the cerebral cortex, which is necessary for the processing and creation of, you guessed it, empathy and compassion. In a study published in the Journal of Psychiatric Research, they, they um, did some studies that showed that people with NPD have... Um, unusual cerebral cortex thinness in the region responsible for compassion and empathy production. 
the part of the brain that generates that is is unusually thin in with these people. They also concluded that the degree of lost empathy in NPD patients matches up with the degree of thinness present in the um, in the abnormal cerebral cortex area. There's a direct correlation that they have established. So in addition uh, to this study, I want to tell you about one more. The authors of another study published in the journal called uh, PLOS1, P-L-O-S-1, linked the presence of narcissism to increased activity in another part of the cerebral cortex that helps control impulsive behavior. This activity increase diminishes uh, impulsive urges and all of that. Um, so it increases the likelihood of poor decision-making on the part of the narcissist. So it's not just a choice or an emotional dysregulation. It goes way beyond that. This is brain science. There's things that directly affect their behavior that are tangible, palpable, visible things that can be identified. Research has, con has included um, a method of measuring brain activity called diffusion tensor imaging. Diffusion tensor imaging. That's the name of it. I've never heard of that test, but it's a thing. And it measures the amount of connected activity between different brain regions. People who have higher narcissism scores were associated with lower connectivity between the different regions of the brain, including the prefrontal cortex and the ventral stratum. Now, that says a lot. If they're, if they're not firing off and parts of the brain aren't communicating effectively with each other, and it affects the pre, prefrontal cortex, which is that whole good judgment, um, you know, the part that if, it, if it's impaired, it causes you to have a lack of, of good judgment because you're impulsive and rash and, and reckless. Um, I don't know how many times I noticed that and said that to my ex. And, you know, I know that irritated him every time to hear that, but it was just so painfully obvious that he took incredible chances on a regular basis that were unnecessary, whether it was in the car or at his job or, um, you know, just pretty much any setting, um, this kind of uh, behavior was going on. So um, these areas are associated with the ability to think positively about oneself and thus low activity in these areas may prompt the person with NPD to repeatedly have a compulsive built-in need to seek out affirmation and adoration, which is also known as fuel or supply, from others. They, they require that to continue to function. Uh, it, is a, it is just to them, it's like oxygen. It's like water. They have to have it. It's not um, a choice. It's not something extra or, you know, something that... Um, I mean, it's an absolute necessity. And this kind of shows perhaps how their brain compels them 
to seek this um, in ways that a neurotypical person would not need to do. So um, let's see what I need to tell you here, talking points. Um, so this is consistent with theories that conclude that these people are egodystonic and divorced from their true selves, their true authentic selves. Egodystonic means there's like a disconnect um, in their identity that they don't have a healthy view of themselves. They can't self-reflect. They can't self-validate. They can't do any of that uh, because they are divorced from their true selves. Uh, other studies have completed, been completed recently, um, and new ones are in the work to prove how NPD is a biological and neurological disease of the brain. Uh, I think there's enough evidence now to conclude that without waiting for more, because there's already been a substantial body of work that proves this, that it's biological and neurological. One such study led by the University of Chicago medicine psychiatrist and personality disorder specialist Royce Lee, MD, found that, um, that there was a marked increase in um, oxidative stress in the blood. Functional uh, neuroimaging studies have also shown lower activity in certain regions of the brain. There are abundant examples of findings such as these that involve even more than the brain, how it affects um, every part of the body sort of in different ways. Researchers have suggested that narcissism might be uh, the core of psychopathy. They certainly have many overlapping features. As I will say again, they exist together and seem complementary and well, maybe complementary is not the word. They seem to share common features, uh, common pathology. So you don't have to be diagnosed as one or the other. You can be both. Or you can be, you know, 30% narcissist, 70% psychopath, or some combination like that. Throw in some other things that are possible that are comorbidities, you could be, have bipolar, borderline, addictions, all kinds of things to go with that to make a nice jumbled up toxic brew of um, dysfunction and disease. Um, so psychopathic individuals typically display an inability to form genuine relationships limited effective processing with absent anticipatory anxiety and remorse. They never feel that. The narcissists, psychopaths, neither feel anxiety about anything because they don't feel fear, and that's all kind of linked together, and that's absent in their brains. Um, and they have an impulsive behavioral style involving a failure of forethought, to evaluated anticipated action and also the inability to inhibit or to rein in 
inappropriate um, feelings and actions and all of that. They don't uh, self-regulate. They don't know how to say no to themselves. You know, they're kind of like a, a toddler, like a young child that's three or four years old, you know. They, you know, are prone to having little mini meltdowns and temper tantrums and and the way that they see the world is, you know, they have a lot of issues that aren't quite um, reality, but to them it seems real. And that's all they know because they're three, they're four years old, uh, developmentally speaking. These characteristics manifest as psychological disorders influenced by a, just a host of different factors, including chemical imbalances in the brain, and there are many reasons for that. Trauma can be one of those reasons. Childhood experiences, trauma and abuse. Heredity could be genetic, um, and um, it could be caused by illness, prenatal exposures, even epigenetics. If you don't know that one, check it out. Epigenetics could explain some of this. The victims, let's talk about the victims of narcissistic abuse. They have poured into, uh, they've just, all the public areas with their pleas for help, social media everywhere, they've just spilled onto the pages with their horrific stories, tragic consequences that happened, and just a palpable pain. It's just like they're everywhere. You know, Facebook, Instagram, Quora, um, you know, Pinterest, all this stuff about all this uh, pain as a consequence of being in a relationship with one of these disordered uh, people. Um, the narcissist is demonized and vilified and paraded through um, through the internet as, as the embodiment of depravity and darkness, right? It's like, you know, Lucifer... 2.0, you know, it's, it's like modern day, um, demon come to life or something evil incarnate. That's how they're portrayed. And, um, you know, I should know because I am one of those people who was victimized. I was trauma bonded, addicted, tormented, and subsequently pretty much destroyed. I had a pretty much all systems collapse two years ago, back in June of 2019, I would be remiss if I did not offer another point of view by saying that, that the person with narcissistic personality disorder uh, may appear to be uh, Satan, <laughs> you know, the Lucifer personified, but I think it's more accurate to say they are mentally ill, brain-damaged trauma victims who are incapable of being a healthy human being. I'm not saying that's okay or it's okay what they do. Oh my gosh, no. But um, they are human beings and they are sick. It may be easy to vilify them and seek revenge for all the harm they do. But you know, they're, they are like a force of nature who leaves like death and destruction in their path but they're beyond help and they're beyond reason and they are beyond the rules of men. They don't live in our world. They live in an alternative universe. 
um, like many schizoid personality types who, who uh, also have some alternate reality. There's some commonality there too, guys. You need to think about that. They are magically, fantastically beyond your reach as they compulsively, intrinsically, unconsciously act in the only way that they are capable. When we accept them, how ill they are, how you know, all of that, then we can begin to ask ourselves, how did we come to love them and ultimately become bound to them as we joined them in this madness in this shared fantasy of this relationship that was disordered? That's the question we should be asking. Why were we attracted to that? They cannot do better, be better, or live better. They have neurological, psychological, spiritual, mental, uh, energetic, and uh, physiological disorders that make it impossible for them to love or be loved. So let me tell you this. For all of you who love them, who feel like you can't live without them, who believe that they are your soulmate and you can't get away and stay away, you have to remember this. Sickness like this is in its very essence sort of a type of evil because it's robbed that person of their soul, of their agency, as a human being. It is unfair and cruel and unacceptable and ruthless and hopeless. The longer we try to hold on to something that is, that is not real, the sicker the we're going to become. The only chance of peace or sanity we have is to let them go. Turn inwards and upwards and try to figure out what brought you to something like this, to someone like this. Then pull yourself together. Gather your strength, focus on yourself, and perhaps one day, one day you will be able to see the sun again. They dwell in darkness, and they will never find their way to the light. But you can. So save yourself. It's really the only thing you have power to do. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Bye-bye.